This episode of the Detox Podcast is brought to you by Rebel Riot Printing. Celebrating their 10th year in business, Rebel Riot is locally owned and family operated, offering custom printed tees with no minimums and fast turnaround. And by Bitsbox. Bitsbox teaches kids to code. Real JavaScript, real devices, and really fun. Hands down the most fun way for curious kids ages 6 to 14 to learn coding. Use promo code DETOX for $20 off any subscription order of $50 or more. That's D-T-A-L-K-S DETOX for $20 off any order of $50 or more with Bitsbox. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Detox Podcast, a parenting podcast where you can detox from the world around you and get a window into how other people live their lives. I'm your host, Joe Shaw, and what an exciting honor it is to have finally made it to 100 episodes. I know back when this podcast started in 2016, we were every other week and we dropped some co-hosts and just me and there's been a lot of kind of different changes that this show has taken throughout the years. But regardless, we've made it to 100 and we're not slowing down anytime soon. I'm super excited to bring you this conversation today. If you'll remember, WFAA sports broadcaster Dale Hansen, known primarily for his unplugged segments, was on the show a couple years ago. And he had a great conversation that centered around parenting and fatherhood and grandfatherhood. And that was while my co-hosts, John and Galan, were also on the show. However, now I asked him to come back on the show to discuss more broad topics, more maybe some uh, political topics or some topics he might feel strongly about. And I just want to let you know that this conversation was a really good in-the-weeds conversation about a lot of different topics that Dale has previously covered on his segments. And I think you're really going to enjoy it. I do want to prep you. It's a bit of a long episode. And I I want to kind of highlight what's going to happen first. So we're going to have a regular Ask the Birth Guy segment with Brian the Birth Guy. Then I've had several former guests uh, share some congratulatory messages that they sent in for hitting the milestone of 100 episodes. That will follow. And then right after those congratulatory messages, it will feed directly into my conversation with Dale. So to everybody that's been around, either old listener or new, I want to say thank you so much for helping me reach number 100 and enjoy this great conversation with Dale. Ask the Birth Guy. Well, hi guys, it's me, Brian, the Birth Guy for Ask the Birth Guy. Today we had a question about how much or should moms that are pregnant even exercise? Well, that's a great question. A while back, I did something with Under Armour and Matt, my run, that had tried to address a lot of these issues with some other professionals. Well, check it out. If moms are not already exercising, just getting started can be a little bit rough, and she needs to make sure not to overdo it. Before she even begins doing that, she should talk to her doctor and say, you know, where can I start and how can I do this? Some people even believe that morning sickness gets a little bit better if mom's actually exercising and not being stagnant because that helps even get her blood going more and increasing that blood to the right volume uh, a little faster than it normally would. There's a company called BirthFit my friend Lindsay Matthews started, and Lindsay's amazing. And BirthFit has a whole culture around exercise and eating and health while while you're uh, pregnant and even before you're trying to get pregnant and even postpartum and that's really important you guys to move your body makes a big difference remember mammalian birth is all about movement and moving around not laying stagnant and doing nothing another thing is to be watching your diet I always tell people a diabetic diet, especially in the beginning, is one of the best things you can do if your doctor thinks that's okay with you because you're not playing with your blood sugar and your, you know, your insulin is not going all over the place as it typically does and your glucagon and all that stuff. So this can make it a little bit easier to balance that out and even control some of your nausea. Um, okay, so check this out. There's another thing. You really want to make sure when you're exercising when you're pregnant that you can still talk lightly at least during your exercise if you can't talk you're probably overdoing it and the general rule of thumb is to keep your heart rate under 140 
I hope this helps you guys, but definitely seek your some advice from your professional, from your doctor, your midwife. They all know what you can do. But remember, a healthier mama and a mama that's exercising is probably going to have a lot easier of a labor. I've seen it you know, many times over. Okay, you guys, I hope that helps. I'm Brian the Birth Guy. You can find me at Birth Guy on Insta, Brian the Birth Guy on Facebook, and I'd love to answer any of your questions, so send them in. We love it. Back to Joe Shaw, your host of the Detox Podcast. Hey, this is former co-host of the Detox Podcast, Galan, saying congratulations to Joe for reaching episode 100. After facing the challenge of going from three hosts to one, Joe kept the show moving in an onwards and upwards direction and has continued to give mothers and fathers alike content that they can use to tackle the adventure of parenthood. Joe, here's to wishing you the best for the next 100, and as always, guys, be a better dad. Hey, Joe, this is John. I just wanted to say congratulations on the 100th Detox episode. Um, I really had a lot of fun doing the podcast with you, and it's been awesome to see everything that you've accomplished uh, since you've taken the reins. And here's to another 100 great episodes. Um, Have fun and and keep fat, Dad. Hello, hello. This is Juan Vidal reporting live from the planet of Atlanta. Wanted to give a special shout out to Joe. Congrats on 100 episodes of the Detox Podcast. Hey Joe, Bobby Warshaw here, the author of When the Dream Became Reality. And I just want to say congratulations on your 100th episode. It's an incredible accomplishment. You put together a wonderful podcast and it's always a joy to listen to. Congratulations and keep it up. This is Saffron Douglas and I want to congratulate Joe Shaw with the Detox Podcast on your 100th episode. Uh, congratulations and here's to many, many more. Hey Joe, congratulations on your 100th podcast. That is so awesome and I'm really happy for you. And thank you so much for having me on your show. Hey, this is Andrea Lorenzo Molinari from the Shepherd graphic novel series published by Caliber Comics. I just want to wish Joe Shaw on the Detox podcast congratulations on making it to episode 100. I look forward to hearing your next 100. Go get them, Joe. Hey guys, what's up? This is comic book artist John Boy Myers, and I wanted to wish Joe Shaw and Detox podcast a big congrats on making it to their 100th episode. What a milestone, guys. Here's to another 100. Hey everyone, this is Mike Spore from BuzzFeed, and I just wanted to wish Joe Shaw and the Detox podcast congratulations on an amazing accomplishment getting to episode 100. Wow, that is a lot of work and a lot of amazing interviews. Joe, congratulations, and I'll be looking forward to listening to the next 100. Hey, this is Brian Basin, CEO of Bark. Joe, just wanted to say congrats on 100 episodes. Hey, this is Jason O'Dell-Williams, playwright of Church and State. I just want to wish Joe Shaw and the Detox Podcast a big, big congratulations on making it to episode 100. That's amazing. Here's to another 100. Congrats, guys. Hi. I'm Jordan Shapiro, author of The New Childhood, and I just want to wish Joe Shaw congratulations on 100 episodes of the Detox Podcast. I can't wait to hear the next 100. 100 episodes. Congratulations, Joe. Congratulations, Detox. This is Wit Honey reminding you the D is for Dad. I hope otherwise my agent should not be booking me on these shows. Congrats. Happy 100th episode. It's your friend Brian the Birth Guy congratulating you on your 100th episode. That's amazing, Joe. Please keep it up. We love the Detox Podcast, and I am glad to be a part of it. What is going on, everybody? This is Art Eddie from the Life of Dad Show Podcast. want to say a big congratulations to my main man, Joe Shaw, for reaching 100 episodes in the Detox Podcast. Obviously, you're listening to this because you know it's a great podcast. I was very honored to be a guest on his great show, Joe Love what you're doing. Keep up the great work. Can't wait to see what's in the future for you, man. Yeah, yeah. It's Frank Menacom from the Melanin Origins Global Publishing Company. Wanda wish Joe Shaw and the Detox Podcast. Congratulations on reaching your 100th episode. This podcast game ain't an easy thing. It takes a lot of dedication. And for you guys to reach 100 episodes, man, it's a beautiful thing. Wish you guys hundreds and hundreds and thousands more episodes. Keep doing your thing. Hey guys, this is Jonathan Horton, American Ninja Warrior and Olympic medalist, and I want to give a shout out to my man Joe Shaw and the Detox Podcast by saying congratulations on making it to episode 100. Let's hear it for another amazing 100 episodes to come. 
Congrats, Joe, on the 100 episodes of the Detox podcast. Uh, while I certainly have my particular favorite, I'm not going to tell you which one that is. I love all of the content that you're putting together and the way that you're helping shape conversations around uh, being a dad, around masculinity, and just about being a better human in general. So congrats and keep up the good work. Hey, Joe. It's Tom Shalou, author of Mean Dads for a Better America. I heard you got a big milestone here, a hundred shows? Very impressive. Maybe not as big as fatherhood itself, but a huge accomplishment nonetheless. It was great being a guest on your show. Here's a congratulations and a shout out to all your listeners. Hi, this is Brian McLaren. I am so happy to offer some congratulations to Joe and the Detox uh, podcast. When you think that being a father is one of the most meaningful and important and significant roles any of us ever fill, and you think that we spend a lot of money on a college education and we go through driver's education to get a driver's license and we sometimes go through premarital counseling before we get married, but relatively few dads take the time to talk with other dads and hear from experienced dads about what it means to be a father. Well, it just makes what, what's happening with the Detox uh, podcast all the more important. Dads need encouragement. Uh, dads have such an important job. Dads need connection with other dads. And uh, I'm really glad for what you all are doing. Keep up the great work. I look forward to the next 100 podcasts. And I love to think about fathers all around the country being encouraged so that kids around the country are being inspired and uh, loved in a, in a better and deeper way by their dads. Thanks to your good work. God bless. This is Tyler Watson, and I cannot believe I get the opportunity to say congratulations on the 100th episode of Detox brought to you by Joe Shaw. To think it was only yesterday when I heard about this passion project to now 100 episodes later. Absolutely amazing. Thank you for so much. Thank you for each conversation, every interesting person, and all the stories to come. Thank you, and here's to 100 more. Congratulations. Welcome back to the Detox Podcast. With me at this time is Mr. Dale Hansen. Dale, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine. Uh, anytime I'm on uh, your podcast, Joe, it's, uh, it's one of my greatest days ever. So, uh, how, Especially when I get to be honored by being on your 100th show. Yes, that's right. Congratulations on that, Thank by you the way. so much. Thank you so yeah. much. It's uh, been a long time coming, but we're really excited to, to be here. You're about 35 years short of my record right. today, but you're all right. I'm, I'm on you know, like the little train that could. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah. And so on this show, what I really want to do, we're going to yeah. kind of go on a, a little bit of a journey, but one of the things that we've kind of been hitting on a lot on the podcast recently has been in 2019, in a world that is continuously siloed and divided and people shouting across, yeah. whether that's the aisle, whether that's the, the state, whether that's the, the, you know, the country as a whole, how can we start to mend fences, come together, build some you know, some common ground, find some uh, common ground and uh, find a way to, to kind of repair these broken relationships and really forge a new path forward. Well, I don't have any opinions <laughs> on that, Joe. Uh, <laughs> I haven't really given it much thought at all. Um, I, I tell you though, it, it is, I think in all seriousness, the biggest issue that faces our country today. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty much known as an unabashed uh, liberal and I don't <laughs> um, make any apologies for that, for people who disagree. Um, but I do think we're, we're at, we're at a, a serious crossroads in America of, of trying to decide just exactly who we want to be. Right. There, there's always been disagreements in America. Right. I mean, you, you go all the way back to World War II. There, there were people that didn't want to get involved in, in World War II, for yes. goodness sakes. Yeah. And I sit there looking back at it going, well, how, how could you possibly be thinking that? Right. Uh, we had to take a stand to, to help Great Britain against right. Germany, and, uh, and then the Japanese made it easier for us. Right. Uh, but but the point simply is that we've always had these disagreements. So during the Watergate situation, during the Civil Rights Movement of the 60s, during Watergate with Richard Nixon in the 70s. Um, but the great thing, in my opinion, that we've now lost is that when Ronald Reagan became president, um, 
I didn't particularly agree or, or like a lot of things that he believed in. Sure. Um, but I had a great deal of respect for the simple fact that, that he did make me feel good about being an American again. Sure. I think it's the single most important thing that a president does. I, I don't really care about his particular tax laws. We have Congress and the Senate for right, that. Right. I don't particularly care uh, even about his uh, Supreme Court appointments because we used to have a Congress and a Senate for right. that. Right. Setting aside for just a moment that the Congress and the Senate are no longer doing their jobs. In Reagan's day, he and Tip O'Neill, the congressman from Massachusetts, one of my favorite stories, would argue and scream and cuss and holler and fight like crazy. And at the end of the day, they go, you get time for a drink. Uh, uh, you, you know, you're still drinking your bourbon or whatever. Um, but they, they accepted the fact that they disagreed, but they respected the, the responsibilities uh, of two different mindsets. Right. We've lost that. Yeah. And um, somehow, some way, we have to get back to that or we will have lost America as we have always known it to be. Right. Now, I understand that some people will consider that the rantings of, a, of an unabashed liberal, but <laughs> I think it goes well beyond that. I, uh, I have disagreements with a lot of liberals and... Uh, um, but, but almost all of the liberal friends that I have, when I disagree with them at the end of the day, we still respect one another. Right. And believe it or not, I've got a lot of very conservative friends that I disagree with a great deal. And then we say, you got time for a beer. Right. <laughs> um, and it, it, it's, I think without question, I think it's the single biggest crisis facing America today is who are we going to be? Right. And I know that so many times, a couple of episodes, I've spoken to people specifically on the subject of contact bias and the fact that when you are not exposed to a certain group of people or a certain type of people, oh, wow. then yeah. you're able to just put them in a box, be afraid of them, make assumptions about them, and then you don't have to deal with that face to face. My favorite part of this, and, and you're exactly right, because that's who I was growing up. We've sure. talked about this a bit in the past, but um, I, I didn't have any great exposure to, to anything uh, other than a white bread America for right. the most part. I mean, as I've said many times, we had this one black family uh, in the entire county. Right. Um, but I find wh whether it's uh, uh, issues of race, whether it's sexual orientation, uh, whether it's religion, um, even at the most extreme levels of all sides of religion, once you meet someone, once you take the time to know someone, I find very few people, seriously, very few people who then say, you know, I still hate that person. Right. And one of my most conservative friends, uh, I would argue, has got a, a, a bit of an um, uh, animus toward uh, people of color. Um, but the people that he knows are, are changing him. Right. Uh, he, he absolutely was opposed to gay rights in America. Yeah. I mean, without question. Right. Um, and next thing I know, we're sitting there in beautiful downtown Waxahachie, and there's a gay man sitting at our table. He was with them. I joined <laughs> them late. I'm like... <laughs> How did this happen? Right. You know, because a year and a half ago, you were telling me that it was a choice and it was a sin and they were going to burn in damnation. Uh, they would never have a chance. You know, and now all of a sudden you're breaking bread. He goes, well, you know, you kind of changed my mind. Mm. The reality is, whether, it, whether it's the immigrant that's struggling to find a life in America, people that, that are willing to work hard, I find very, very few people, when they know them, when they meet them who don't say, ah, oh, you know, Jose's fantastic. Uh, you know, Julian is a great worker, great man. And then I go, yeah, but since that's the only person you really know from Guatemala or <laughs> right. wherever, how do you then say all the rest of them are rapists and drug dealers right. and criminals? Right. And, and some people still insist upon doing that. But for the most part, uh, as you point out, if we can get people... To, to talk to one another, if we can get people to understand our fears, not mine, obviously, but, but the, the fears of many, um, that's the only way we're going to get there. But when you start just simply uh, taking the bully pulpit and addressing people struggling to make a better life in America as criminals and rapists and murderers and people, <clears throat> yeah. the one that just drives me nuts, um, <laughs> When there was this argument, and still is, uh, this, this decision to ban Muslims in America, mm. um, we had 19 
Muslim men fly into the Twin Towers in the Pentagon. And 15 of them were from Saudi Arabia. Uh, So we invaded Iraq. Makes perfect sense in (laughs) hindsight. Um, But it it was 19 of more than a billion, with a B. More than a billion Muslims, and 19 of them uh, were nuts. Obviously nuts. And ended up committing suicide by, by... their whatever their cause supposedly right. was. My argument when they announced we're going to ban Muslims was, can Kareem Abdul-Jabbar stay? Right. You know, because I, I like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Right. And I said, can he stay? Right. And I would use this argument. And they go, well, I said, well, no, no. You're in favor of banning Muslims. Right. I just gave you a perfect example. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, he's different. He's not a... Well, you don't know Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Right. I, I know him better than you do, right. and I don't know him that well. Right. But I'm saying, yeah. In fact, I may not like him after right. I met him. I don't know. But I'm saying, but yet they're willing to take this blanket disapproval of an entire religious group based on the actions of these 19-plus, and right. they're, okay, let's throw in 1,000 more. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll give you 10,000 more followers. 10,000 out of a billion-plus doesn't really, to me, paint the entire religion with that one brush. And I just don't know how we've gotten to this point. I mean, I just, yep. I, I just don't understand it. And it doesn't, it doesn't bother me as much as it probably should, because I'm going to be dead before long, so it's not a big deal. Uh, <laughs> but I worry a great deal about the world that my 25-year-old granddaughter is going to be right. living in. Right. Uh, my kids are, you know, about 50 now, and... And um, so they've got a hopefully a pretty long run ahead of them as well. Um, individually, I kind of I jokingly laugh about the fact. Well, it's not going to impact me, um, but it will haunt me, right? Because I know what my granddaughter is going to be facing, and um, I, I just don't understand why someone thinks this is the best approach. Let's right. just burn everything down right. to the ground, right. when in fact it's been proven. Sit down and have dinner with somebody, and then tell me you hate them. Right. You yeah. know, recently, well, I guess is a, a couple months ago now, there was the shooting at the mosque. Right. right and right. I was doing some volunteer work with a sweet, sweet Christian lady the day after. And she said, did you see online that the mosque in, I think it was Irving, wanted to have everybody from all religions come and have a, a, a remembrance, a solemn prayer, just a time of community bringing everybody together. And she said, that's horrible. I said, why is that horrible? She said, I don't want to enter into their mosque. I'd rather, they should come down to our church. Oh, yeah, and yeah, and, yeah. and I said, why? And I tried to get to the crux of why supporting someone in need and trying to mourn with someone and offering community support was wrong. And she said, it boils down to they're going to hell to me. Yeah. They're going to yeah. hell. So I don't know why I should be wasting my time or tears. I, I love uh, it's tough. I it's, love the fact that mere mortals know who's going to hell right. and, uh, and who's not. I mean, <laughs> even I'm not that arrogant. Right. Uh, and I do know who's going to hell and who's not. <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> but yeah, maybe I am that arrogant. Uh, but, but I mean, I, I've caught in some flack for this recently because I, I, I made the argument on the air that that you know, I'm, I'm not a religious man, and I haven't been for, for quite some time. And um, one of the reasons, uh, in part, th- that I'm not is because I don't like many of the people who say they are. Mm. And that, without question, uh, uh, Franklin Graham, uh, who I think just continues to besmirch his father's reputation mm. every time he opens his mouth, uh, Franklin Graham, you know, has come out against uh, Pete Buttigieg uh, because oh, right. of his sexual orientation, and um, and Franklin Graham is going to define for me uh, what Jesus is and is not. And I'm like, you know, at the end of the day, you're you're obviously a more learned Bible scholar uh, sure. than, than me, and sure. and certainly most people in America, I would argue. But at the end of the day, you're a mere mortal. Mm-hmm. Um, because I always love the argument of, of, you know, like Franklin Graham's making that, well, you have to follow the teachings of the Bible because, you know, homosexuality is a sin. I said, yeah, but it's also in the Bible about 
that it's okay to have slaves. It's okay to stone women. Um, it, by the way, Franklin, it's also in the Bible that you're not supposed to commit adultery. And right. I think the man you're supporting now is probably guilty of that. <laughs> um, I mean, it, it's a situational ethics right. that we have in America today as well. And, and again, it, it, to some extent, it's always been there. It's always been an issue. Um, and it's always been a problem. Uh, but, but certainly, uh, now again, I'm only 70, uh, and I know I look 67. I appreciate you saying that. <laughs> yeah, of course, uh, of course. <laughs> but but I, I'm only 70, and I've only been aware of my surroundings uh, basically since I was 12. Um, I, I, I remember very little about the 50s. I, you know, but when I was 12 years old in 1960 and John Kennedy was running for president, that's the first time my eyes were like, wow, this is kind of cool. Yeah, and a man talking about going to the moon, which we all knew was stupid. I mean, that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> um, but he challenged us to dream, and he tried. He challenged us to find our better angels. Mm-hmm. And another flawed uh, human being sure. by the by the norms of of, right. of gentle society. Um, but at the very least, I, I at least left with the impression that he was trying. Right. And I would say the same thing. Uh, as much as I, I, I hated what Lyndon Johnson did with Vietnam, uh, I skip over uh, <laughs> Nixon, uh, <laughs> but, but Gerald Ford, uh, Jimmy Carter, Ronald Reagan, uh, George Bush, Bill Clinton, George Bush, Mr. Obama. While I disagree with a lot of them uh, and a lot of their, their decisions, for the most part, I always believed, uh, and I would throw the senators and, and congressmen uh, and women in there as well, that, that, yeah, I disagree with that, but I think you're trying to get to the right point. Right. I think you're taking the wrong approach. That, that's sure. my position. Right. Now, I don't, I don't believe that anymore at all. I think there's a tremendous group of people uh, who are simply out for the bottom line, right. f- uh, for their own their own uh, greed, their own uh, uh, gratification, their own satisfaction. And um, I, I don't know how anybody can disagree with me about that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I know that you recently were honored with the, the RTDNF. I might get yeah. the uh, acronym. Yeah, you right? got it right. Yeah. right. Radio, uh, Television, Digital, National Foundation. That's right. Lifetime Achievement Award. Yeah. yeah. And, and Which I, means I'm old, by right. the way. Yeah. <laughs> so. But getting that kind of an award in an era where you hear phrases like fake news. Right. How important right. was that to you? Oh, it was, it was staggering. It was, um, professionally, it's, it's far and away the greatest things ever happened to me. Yeah. I, uh, I, I was I was brought to tears. Um, of course, I, I I cried at the Judd's farewell concert, so I moved to tears <laughs> rather easily. Um, but how could you not listen to the Judd's farewell concert and not tear up? I don't know. I, <laughs> man had no heart, you know. But but I, I, I was I was literally brought to tears um, uh, with that particular award for for. For a couple of reasons. One, I just never, ever put my name uh, on that list with, with the uh, people that they've honored previously. Right. Uh, I still look at the list, and I, I didn't use the line that night because I forgot it, but it, it's an old George Goble line. Uh, I, I totally understand now how, how, how you would feel if the entire world was a black tuxedo and you're a pair of brown leather shoes, you know, <laughs> and I am brown loafers, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I almost need to put a penny if you, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. <clears throat> and, <clears throat> excuse me, but I, I just feel, I feel out of place even to this day after the award. And, uh, but it was the point of my speech, um, uh, because I am, I am so tremendously offended, um, by, by the, the, the label of fake news. Right which is only a minor blip uh, as compared to the argument uh, that we are the enemy of the American people. Mm -hmm. That is uh, Joseph Stalin talking. That is every great dictator in the history of mankind. Mm -hmm. Um, As Shakespeare said, you know, the first thing we do is get the lawyers. And and my first reaction (laughs) when I heard it was, well, that makes perfect sense to me. Well, no, the theory behind that line uh, that wasn't the actual line, right, but right, you know right, the point right, I'm right, making, right, yeah. um, it, it, it is that we, we get the lawyers because the lawyers are the ones who stand up for civil rights and civil liberties. Right. So we got to shut them down. Right. And then you do go after the media because once you can suppress and control the information, the people are very susceptible to, to propaganda. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, and, yeah. and we're seeing that on a regular basis. Right. If I can discredit the news media... So that you only believe uh, my, my, in my opinion, state-run network, mm. 
then I have a much better chance of selling you on, on my th- theories and on my stories. Right. But it, it is reprehensible. And, and the line I use, and I, and I kind of play off it from sports, in, in, the, in the job that I have now, it is slowly being taken away by the Dallas Cowboys having their own uh, website, right. their own television production. Uh, the Rangers uh, are doing a lot of their own production, uh, their own shows, uh, their own digital sites. Right. Controlled, uh, and again, understandably, it is a legitimate job. But you know, if, if Jerry Jones is putting your name on the bottom of the check... There's a very good chance you're going to write it the way Jerry Jones wants it to be written. I mean, that's totally understandable. Yep. As a result, the Cowboys fans are being pulled into that, and a guy like me comes along and said, "Hey, you know, this is a joke. This is a fraud." That right. they're, you know, then I get criticized for being the anti-Cowboy, the anti-Jerry right. Jones. And my argument is always the same: you're going to miss us when we're gone. Mm. And sports eh, society will survive without the Dale Hansons of the world or whatever. <laughs> Uh, but America won't survive right. uh, without a free and, and a media that does indeed make the occasional mistake. Right. But as I said at that banquet in D.C., anyone who is dumb enough to confuse the occasional media mistake with media bias is dumb enough to confuse today's weather with climate. Mm. And that is the reality of where we're at. Right. Do we make mistakes in the media? Of course we do. Do we apologize for them and correct them? 99.9% of the time, we absolutely do. And yet, we're still being painted as fake news um, and, and, and more reprehensible, uh, the enemy of the people. Um, and I'm just simply saying that I hope, quite honestly, that it doesn't happen in my lifetime, and I don't think that it will. But I could see it happening in America. And then the reality is, as we've seen in every, whether it's Nazi Germany, whether it was uh, Russia in its worst days, whether it was China in its worst days, North Korea now, there will be people who will wake up and go, what the hell did we just do? What have we allowed to happen? The problem becomes, once the dictatorship of a democracy has taken over, it's really hard to get it back. Right. And that's, I don't think, hyperbole. I, I, I absolutely believe it, that as I tell people when they criticize me, and you get all your news from the Cowboys' offices, and you get all your Mavericks <laughs> news from Mark Cuban, and you get all your Rangers news, you're going to miss us when we're gone. Yeah. Uh, and it, it probably is going to happen in sports, uh, maybe even in my lifetime. Uh, but we cannot allow it to happen to our democracy. We right. just can't. Right. And I know one of the things you had mentioned in your speech when you accepted the award was you said, we have to be better, we can be better. Oh, absolutely. And, absolutely. and, and you, you do see that, especially. And it's so interesting. Because when, of what, we, yeah. what we do matters. Right. What right. we do matters. It's too important. We have to be better. Right. We have to do better. Because what we do matters, and it's too important to stop now. Exactly. And I know that there are specific people. I think we're in a unique position being in Texas where you have, it's traditionally been conservative, but you're having a lot of influx and a lot of changing of the tides. You know, people use the phrase like purple wave or or just different stuff. But I blame those Californians (laughs) for that. I I hate the fact, you know, know, they they, they say it's the the immigrant wave that's changing the the, uh, dynamic of politics in Texas. I I think it's California. Right. Uh, right. You know, we've got so many people from, from the north moving down here, and rightfully so. so I, I hate the fact that 35 is now jammed up like crazy. Right. Um, I hate the fact that I, I made the mistake of going to Frisco the other day, and I didn't. I realize now why Frisco's growing so fast. Once you get there, you can't get out. Yeah. I mean, you have to buy a house. I mean, you have to because there's no way back. Right. I mean, there's no way back. I mean, you, you, you're going to age dramatically just waiting to get through an intersection. Right, right, right. So why not just buy right. a house and stay? Right. And, but, but I'm telling you, with, with all the influx of, of people from California, mm-hmm. I think in particular, but a lot of people moving here to Texas, I think uh, Texas is changing. Obviously, since uh, it was Democrat, a bit of a conservative Democrat when right. I moved here in, in 1980. Um, and then it went hardcore Republican in, what, about 90-something, yep. I think, yep. uh, and, and has never looked back. Right. But I think we saw it in the last... 
uh, I mean, Ted Cruz struggles to beat Beto O'Rourke. Yeah. Um, I really, yeah. I mean, not in my lifetime. Right. I mean, not, um, and again, I'm, I'm a big, I was a big Beto supporter, obviously. Right. I don't deny that, but, but, uh, but seriously, that, that that was close. Yeah. I mean, that, that was close. It was closer than people typically would think it would be. Oh, yeah. I mean, please. I mean, it shouldn't yeah. have. It, Ten years ago, it would have been 60-40 at worst. Right. For, you know, right. But we're seeing it. And again, I, I hate the traffic. I hate all the congestion that we're getting <laughs> now. Um, but if that's what it takes to turn Texas back blue, uh, yeah, yeah. okay, come on. You but, but you get to have <laughs> one of the things I enjoy is a, is you get to have really great conversations with. I've got some with some of my oldest friends and some family members who are maybe online, you know, regurgitating the media that they're consuming on a daily basis. Yeah, yeah. But when you get them at the table and you're breaking bread and we're having conversations like I did the past weekend, then we start talking about topics that matter and personal, you know, preferences about what we like and what we don't policy wise. And we find out we're not that different. No, I, I think for the most part, we're not, but there is this great divide that, mm -hmm. that is still there. And I'll give you one of my examples. You sure. talk about the family situation. Uh, my brother-in-law, my, my, uh, I, I've got two younger sisters, the older of the two, um, she, she's just a right wing nut. Um, <laughs> Um, we, we think my dad dropped her on her head when she was a baby because she's just not right. I mean, she's just not right. And, uh, and, and she's married to a, a retired uh, uh, police officer in, in, in Denver. And uh, they're great people. I mean, seriously, at, at, at their core, they're great people. But they're just wrong about everything. <laughs> so we're sitting there one night on the patio. It's been a couple of years. The last time I was out there, um, and in part, that's one of the reasons it's the last time sure. I've been out there. Uh, but this was back during the time of um, uh, Mr. Obama's health care plan. Mm -hmm. And we're arguing about it, and he's screaming about it. I'm like, my sister has diabetes, and you're basically going broke trying to keep up with yeah. health payments because the health care system in America is so broken, it's ridiculous. Yep. And I said, he's trying to fix that. I said, you know, what, what's your problem? I mean, what's your problem? I said, I'm not saying, nor have I ever said, that the, the Affordable Care Act was, was the right approach. Right. But instead of just throwing it out with the, the, the bathwater, right. why don't we sit down and realize there are some very good things in there that we like. There are some bad things, apparently, that we don't like, and let's figure it out. But nobody yes. wants to do that. Right. One, one of the strongest negative reactions I ever got to any commentary I wrote was when I wrote exactly that. Mm -hmm. And a friend of mine, a, a bit of a conservative and a Republican, laughs. He goes, oh, my gosh, Dale, aren't you so brave? Because my argument was, I don't know if this is the right plan or not, but I think we should sit down and figure it out. Right. That's basically all I said. Right. <laughs> and people said, yeah, well, here's your health care plan. I'm going to put a bullet in your head and throw you in the Trinity. And I'm like, because wow. I said. So hey, my brother-in-law yeah. says to me, a retired uh, detective uh, living basically off pensions, um, you know, does a little part-time, whatever. Sure. Um, my sister's had diabetes since she was like 17, 18, 19 years old. Um, so they got massive medical bills. And I said, really, what's your problem? I, I said, I don't get what's your problem. And he goes, Obama's trying to redistribute the wealth. Obama's trying to redistribute the wealth. And I looked at him. I said, well, then what the hell are you worried about? Right. You don't have any money. I said, if, if there was that concern, yeah. I'm the one who right, should be concerned because right, right. I've got the money. Right. I said, you don't. And yet yeah, the Republican yeah. Party in particular and, and many of the people making these arguments today are, are ridiculously rich. And, and this latest tax break, the, the, far and away, most of that tax break went to the top 1%, 2%. You know. yeah. And yet, people who got no real benefit from it, and in many cases were hurt by it, there's a tremendous number of them who, who apparently believe, yeah, but when I am rich, then I will be paying what is more likely a fair share. Right. And I'm like, you ain't ever going to get rich. Right. You know, <laughs> you're not going to get rich. But the people are just buying it. And, and here's my brother-in-law struggling to some extent, not a lot, but struggling. And, and he's worried about redistribution of the wealth. Yeah. I, I'm not advocating socialism. I'm sure. not a socialism guy. Right. But when you're sitting there with, I, I saw some crazy number there, you know, the, like the richest hundred people in the world have like 85% of the money or, yeah, you know, whatever. Right, right, right. It's just some, I thought it had to be a misprint, you right. know, and it's not. And, and, and you take it back to, you know, the top 1% of, 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 of the wealth in America, uh, you know, covers like 
95 percent of, right. of of the income mm -hmm. and i'm like i mean how many boats do you need right. i mean how many country clubs do you have to be a member of how many homes do you buy and and, and there just has to be a better way right for the people who didn't have the breaks that, that people like me have had quite frankly sure. and certainly many many people above me right and yet they look at it like hey i got mine yeah. I got mine, and and you too should inherit a company from your dad and make a gazillion dollars. <laughs> and you shoot, you too should become a golf pro right. and, and drive the ball three thirty five and right. and make fifty billion dollars. I mean, right. what are you talking about? Yep. You know, <laughs> excuse me. What, what? And I and I don't know how we've lost our way. Um, um, because I do think there's going to be, and this is the scary part of that, I do think there's going to be a massive revolt someday. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, you saw that idiot Steve King in Iowa who, yeah. who said, great, bring it on. We've got all the guns. Yeah. Uh, what, what a brilliant thing for a congressman to say. Yeah. Uh, that you want to talk about uh, a civil war doesn't bother you much because uh, we have the guns. Right. Um, the fact that even people like me, are, are talking about the fact that there, there's going to come a day. Yeah. And, and it's somewhat historically proven um, that as the money flows to the, the, the one or 2%, that eventually they'll rise up right. uh, and say, hey, something's broken with this system. And then, you know, then you get Hitler in Germany. Yeah. Uh, you get the clown down in Venezuela. You, yeah. you get people who sell the people on a concept that doesn't work either. Right. Um, and again, socialism doesn't work. I'm, I'm one of the first people to say it. Right. But some of the concepts mm -hmm. of socialism appeal to me. Yeah. Um, and and, and the, the bottom line is I'm not afraid to sit down and tell me, give me your thoughts and I'll give you mine and let's find something that works for everybody. Yep. Exactly. And, and nobody wants to do that anymore. And you know, one of the unplugged segments you've done, you talked about the Parkland massacre, right? right. And how right. you talked about, you hope that the students don't lose their passion. Right. Yeah. But, but what we're starting to see recently is student survivors are committing suicide. Yeah. Because yeah. they're unable to deal with the after effects. And so. Which is a scary. Yeah. I, see, I've never quite. Well, obviously, I've never been there, but I, I, I've never quite understood that. Uh, of course, you know, as I've always tried to, 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 to argue uh, with friends of mine who disagree with so I said, you're trying to explain uh, the irrational act with, with a rational mind. Mm. And, and, and I, I don't think it can be done. Right. You know, I mean, you survived the shooting. Uh, yeah. Now pick up the baton, show me your passion, and fight for change. How, how does it affect you to such an extent um, that you somehow think, you know, you feel guilty, for example. And, and you see this from people who come back from the wars and yeah. friends of mine yeah. who, came, who came back from Vietnam. Right. Well, they, they had scars that lasted their entire life. And, right. um, luckily, I guess I've never been in such a traumatic situation that I've had to think. Um, I, I like to think that I would just, okay, that was scary as hell, and now let's move right. on. But, uh, but, think, it, but it does yeah. bother me, yeah. I think you're seeing too that that this kind of goes hand in hand with what you're talking about the, the healthcare system is that we don't we don't put such a high price on mental health oh, we and, can't and providing it. Right, right. so that way people who have this can talk through it yep. get the support they need to not make these decisions and people coming back from war and and instead you know you you talk about war and so you see people who. They, I was talking with a guy the other day who's a vet who said that there are, he's one of the lucky ones in that he came back and he got a great job in a corporate world and he's thriving. He said, but so many of his, his buddies come back and, and they were, you know, heralded as going off into war. But now they're like, we have no use for you and we don't want to, you know, give you the resources to deal with whatever you may be dealing with to help you reintegrate into society. So just, you know, make the best of it. And, and See, if, we've got to, something's got to be better. If he, if he got his arm or his leg blown off, uh, you know, we'd have a charity golf tournament to benefit him. Yep. Uh, we can see that. Right. And, and uh, I say we meaning America, basically. Right. Um, but you know, we can't see mental health. Right. And there is an attitude. And even I foster it a little bit. Um, I, I'm, I'm trying real hard to get by this. But uh, it, 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 when I see someone who's paralyzed, when I see someone without a leg, when I see someone without an arm, uh, disfigurement, um, uh, I see them shrinking because of the cancer that's eating them from the inside out. You, you can see these things, and, and 
then it brings a guttural response, and, and, and you usually you, you want to help. Somebody tells you that they're having demons. Uh, it's like a sitcom character on some bad TV <laughs> right. show. Or, uh, yeah. you know, and, and you go, well, I don't. They're, 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 why? There's nothing wrong with you. You know, it's like the, you know, depression itself. I mean, yeah. um, I've even kind of looked at, well get, well, get over it. Yeah. You know, get over it. And, yeah. well, I, I, I learned the hard way. That's not really something yeah. you want to say publicly. Right. You know? <laughs> and, uh, but I, I didn't mean it as, as flippant as it, as it obviously came off at that time. But, but we can't see it. Yeah. And if we can't see it, I think there's a natural tendency, an unfortunate one maybe, but a natural tendency to dismiss it. Yeah. And just like the, the shootings, and we have these kids in school, and we know there's – I mean, the kid at Parkland. I mean, everybody knew this kid was trouble. Yeah. But nobody took action uh, because we do live in a – well, I've always loved like the stalking cases. Well, yeah. you know, until they actually break into your house – no, no. Right. Once he shows that he's yeah. a stalker, <laughs> we have to act. No, right. no. We act after the fact. Right. Very reactionary with everything. And we have these kids, and then the, you get into this argument. Well, I, I can't just say he's a bad kid, and anyway, it was it'd be politically incorrect. Right. Um, but you know, we certainly don't have any problem taking a kid who's like me. If I lived in today's, uh, if I was going to school today, they would have me so drugged up on Ritalin and yeah. all the rest of it. Sure. Um, because I guarantee you, uh, I had ADD. Yeah. Uh, well, in geometry and biology, I did, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, <laughs> yeah. but I'm telling you, I think, I think a lot of my teachers would have said, we need to drug this man. I mean, I was a nonstop talker, uh, <laughs> much like you're finding out in this particular <laughs> podcast. Um, uh, but I had teachers who found a way to, to believe it or not, encourage it. Right. Um, and I had an eighth grade teacher, I'll never forget. Um, we, we would take a spelling bee, and my buddy Keith Adams and I would give a pun uh, definition of the word. <laughs> and we were challenging ourselves to see, and, and for some reason, we thought it was the funniest thing in the world. Um, but Ada Kirsten would say, you know, the word is such and such, and, and then my buddy would jump up and he'd say, you know, the pun joke and the whole thing we write. Right. And, and she encouraged it. Then when I got into high school, I had a, a, a great, the only reason I'm here is a, a great teacher named Frank Weiland, uh, who, who basically made a deal with me that, okay, behave yourself for the most part. And then I'll give you the forum at the end of class. And I would go up at the end of almost every class and they'd give me like five minutes. He said, okay, Dale, today's topic is Vietnam. Should we stay or should we go? Go. And I didn't know what the topic was as I'm walking up to the front. Right, right. And I loved it, Joe. Yeah. I'm telling you, I didn't like it. I loved it. And I'd walk up and go, hey, Dale, today's topic is Johnny Carson's monologue because I know you stayed up to watch it. Go. <laughs> and I would try to recreate Johnny Carson's monologue. Right. And all my buddies in school were like, how, how why, how do you, yeah. I mean, aren't you scared? I said, no, I mean, I, I, I kind of enjoy it. Yeah. Well, I parlayed that into a rather successful, successful career. Yeah. And I thanked him every day of my life. Um, um, but, yeah, we, we, I, I hope these kids at, at Parkland don't lose that passion. And it breaks my heart um, to see how so many of them are responding in such a negative way. Right. And yet we still have this problem of how much money are we willing to spend and take care of a mental health issue right. because there is a bit of an attitude and I've had it in the past. I promise you I have suck it up, yeah. get over it, you know? And, and sometimes I do think that's the right answer. Um, but certainly not every time, right. you know, not every time by a long shot. And there was, I know I was reading a book uh, the other day, Johan Hari wrote a book about chasing the scream about ending the war on drugs. And he talked about that there was a country and I'm, I'm failing and remembering it right now, but they decided to legalize all drugs. And instead of le instead of, you know, they were trying to stop the war and they right. wanted to, to do an experiment. They took all the money they were using to fight it and just put it into resources to help people get back on their feet. And he right. said the staggering result was that people who started out going to this clinic to get their dose and drugs were getting counseling, were getting support, were getting career advice, were getting therapy, were getting back on their feet. And then there, like people would only come maybe one or two more times and they wouldn't need to because they were being helped and not thrown in jail as a result well, of the drugs. throwing them in jail is stupid, and right. I think we've proven that. Uh, but the war on drugs is, is another one. Uh, it's, it's our Vietnam of, right. of this particular generation. Um, we just can't bring ourselves to admit that we lost that war a long time yeah. ago. Uh, I, I love the fact that we blame, uh, we blame Mexico and Colombia uh, for shipping in the drugs. <laughs> you know, they don't ship a lot of drugs into uh, 
China and uh, countries that don't use it. Right. You know, the only reason that America is overrun by drugs is because Americans use it. Right. You know, Colombia is not shipping drugs into into the Midwest yeah. so that the Mexican immigrant right. can use it. <laughs> right. Uh, it. It's white bread America for the most part, right. and certainly America um, that it is is the purchaser. Yeah. Um, but I, I, you know, look what we've done with smoking. Right. Just smoking itself. We, we made a full-blown commitment. We weren't going to ban cigarettes, and right. yet cigarettes kill thousands of people. Yeah. They kill thousands of people, and we know they kill mm-hmm. thousands of people, and we subsidize the tobacco industry, while at the same time, we do a great service of discouraging people from using cigarettes. Right. And when I was younger... You would see everybody smoking. Yeah. I mean, you see everybody smoking. You watch the old movies, and yeah. everybody's <laughs> smoking. And now I watch a movie, and I see a guy light up. <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> excuse me. I, I see a guy light up a cigarette. I go, that guy does not smoke in a million years. Right. But he's probably being paid by by some cigarette brand to smoke a cigarette. Right. To, you know, so they can backdoor the fact right, that we right. can't advertise. So you can't advertise the cigarettes on TV. You, you don't see anybody smoking. Right. Uh, I, when I went to Tokyo with the Cowboys years ago, I was stunned because all the c- cigarette manufacturers have realized, well, I can't make the big money in America anymore, so I'm going to ship my cigarettes overseas. Oh. And everybody in Tokyo, now this was 15, 25 years ago, but I, I, don't, I hope it's not the same anymore. Right. But, I mean, everybody was smoking. Right. And you walked into a Wendy's for a hamburger, and the smoke would knock you down. <laughs> and you walk down the street, and everybody's got a cigarette in their hand. Right. And it was... And this was like 94, 93. Sure. And it was staggering because it was so foreign to me. Right, right. Because we've eliminated it. Right, or, right. or I shouldn't say eliminate. But Severely reduced. Yeah. I see a friend of mine. I've still got a couple of friends of mine who smoke cigarettes. And I'm like, what, what's wrong with you? I mean, <laughs> yeah. read the pack for goodness right, sakes, right, right. you know? Um, and yet, why don't we ban cigarettes? Right. Why don't we? Why don't we throw cigarette smokers in jail? Right. Um, I, I've long advocated, which of course always gets me in trouble. But uh, uh, hopefully nobody ever hears this podcast. <laughs> uh, but but I think we should legalize drugs. Yeah. And uh, you know, we we tried prohibition before. Yeah. Right. And all we did was make the Al Capones of the world rich. Right. People never stopped drinking. Right. Uh, the, the, the smugglers became filthy rich. Their gang wars broke out. Um, legalize it, yep. you know. Um, I, 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 I'd like to think, well, maybe we should draw the line at heroin, but I'm not even sure we should draw the line there. But if, yeah. if you're not, we have laws against getting stoned and driving down the road. Right. We still, we need those laws. Yes. As we have laws against people driving drunk. Right. Every time somebody tells me we need to ban marijuana and we need to lock people up, I go, did you come to that conclusion over a glass of wine? You know? <laughs> yeah. Or your third highball of right. the evening, right? right? <laughs> yeah. um, are you in support of, because marijuana, marijuana in particular, I think is the beer of, of my teenage sure, years. Sure, sure. I don't smoke it, by the way. I don't do any drugs, <laughs> yeah. by the way, just for the record. <laughs> but I only don't because it's still legal. Right. Um, but... Marijuana in particular. Now, you start going down the road, all right, yeah, I change gears a little bit. Sure. But but marijuana, to me, I think is simply alcohol of, of, of the 20s. And when people tell me that people are in prison, which they are for marijuana, uh, should we throw people in prison for jail? There were a lot, of, and there are still some people who think we should. Mm-hmm. Um, but we tried that, and it did not work. Uh, spend your money in a better way. Uh, encourage people to drink responsibly. Right. And here's the other argument to me. About almost everything we've talked about, uh, where some of my most liberal friends just kind of shake their head when I say this, but I do believe this. At the end of the day, we cannot save everybody. Right. People are going to fall through the cracks. Yep. People are going to get hurt. Yep. just like gambling in Texas. Are, are, are some people going to spend too much money gambling? Of course they are. Right. Do you think by making gambling illegal that they're not betting? I mean, the yeah. poker rooms alone are yeah. making hundreds of thousands of dollars. Right. Uh, in the rooms that I used to play in years ago, by the way. Sure. You could find a poker game on almost every street corner in Dallas, <laughs> but it's illegal. 
Right. So they didn't tax it. They didn't regulate it. There was nobody there to help the people who did abuse it, right. uh, who couldn't control it, et cetera. And, and yet it's just, it, it, it just doesn't work. Right. And I don't, I don't know why we continue to have this old age argument in an entirely new age. Right. And you see, if people would take funds that are used, that are currently, in my opinion, just going down the drain and apply it yeah. towards things yeah. like mental health or healthcare and finding a way that fits for everybody, or at least the majority, then you wouldn't have people able to be siloed and be fed this continuous news well, coverage the, and the, continue to be The divided. key to me, though, is, is, is your word, the majority. I right. mean, we're going to lose some people. You yeah. know, I, and again, my liberal friend, oh, no, we're going to save everybody. It's like my daughter and my granddaughter, both teachers. <laughs> and I say, you know, you can't reach every kid. Right. I mean, you, you just can't. Right. And you can't allow yourself to get beaten up by it. Right. So, if we legalize drugs, will will some people uh, destroy their lives? Yeah, yeah, they probably will. Is anybody destroying their lives now? Yeah, you know, we, yeah. because it is illegal, and there's—I yeah. mean, again, exactly. You're, you're trying to find this this um, uh, uh, nirvana of, of this great society. Well, that that's just never ever going to happen. I right. mean, it's just pick any issue you want. We're going to lose some people along the way. People are going to get hurt. But what always I find it amazingly hypocritical to me is the cigarette argument and the alcohol argument. Mm-hmm. I mean, we know for a fact that both uh, uh, vices, if you will, mm-hmm. kill. Yep. Cigarettes, probably even more than alcohol. I mean, right. directly. But alcohol certainly has an impact on, on traffic deaths and uh, job losses and everything else. Uh, some people are alcoholics and they destroy their lives. I've had family members do exactly that. Never occurred to me, despite the fact that my first father-in-law died at a very young age because he chose not to even try to get treatment because, he, as he said to me, I'll never forget it. What did the doctor say? He said, well, the doctor said either I quit drinking or I'm going to die. I said, what did you say? He said, I told him I'm going to die. Wow. And he kept right on drinking and yep. he died a few months later as we're sitting here drinking a beer, talking about it over the kitchen table when he died. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, it, it never occurred to me or anyone in his family, maybe we should just ban all this alcohol. And then and you, and you see people dying daily, minute by minute, from a torturous, cancerous death because of their use of cigarettes. But I can't find anybody outside the the fringe element on right. every issue right. that thinks we should ban cigarettes. Right. You know, I, I wouldn't mind it. Of course, it's like, well, I don't use cigarettes, so ban them. Right. You know right. what I mean? Right. Right. You know? But <laughs> if you start banning Coors Light, we're going to have to talk right. about that. You know? and, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so that, that's what yeah. happens too in almost yeah. every issue. Is that, well, I, I'm totally in favor of that as long as, you know, it, it's like, to me, it's like my favorite, it's like pornography. Um, I, I'm totally in favor of, of uh, people deciding and having a committee uh, to decide what we can and cannot see on television and in our movies. Sure. As long as I'm on the committee. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. because what is your pornography is not necessarily mine. Right. Um, uh, you know, what, what's your favorite nighttime entertainment relaxing mode to get there is not mine. Right. But I usually fall on the side of as long as you're not hurting me and, or the community in general, Go for it. Exactly. You know. Well, as we're starting to wrap up here, one one last question I want to ask you is how in this day and age should parents work to make sure they teach their children the value of coming together and yeah, trying to bridge yeah. the divide? Well, I think it's one of the most important things we can do as, as a parent. And, um, and I, 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 uh, I, I try to teach my granddaughter this, and I think she's, I think she's bought into all of it as best I can. Uh, as I said earlier, and I'll say it again, I, I disagreed with a lot of presidents in my lifetime, but I've always thought the, the role of a president was to be kind of the, the, the inspirational moral leader of America. Now, every single one of them had, had faults, <laughs> right. but most of them tried to hide it. Right. And I respect that because I have my faults, and right. I would prefer that most people don't know about right. them. Right? <laughs> but, but I try. Right. And, and, and most, I think, uh, every president has always taken on that role. And, and so you kind of use that as somebody to look up to. Athletes used to do it. Right. I mean, Arnold Palmer's life was flawed. Jack Nicklaus, my, one of my favorite examples, Jack Nicklaus smoked cigarettes like crazy. Yeah. And then when he was younger, he saw a picture of himself, and he goes, well, that's not good for the kids. 
So he never allowed himself to smoke cigarettes in public where someone could snap a picture mm. because he felt like he had this obligation not to encourage smoking to younger kids. Right. I smoked Marlboro, or Winston's rather, when I was a boy playing golf because Arnold Palmer did an ad. I'll never forget it. Arnold Palmer said, I won the Masters because I smoked my Winston's and I remain calm. Mm. My dad never smoked a cigarette in his life, told me about the evils of smoking from the get-go. My dad drove a truck. Arnold Palmer won the Masters. Yeah. I'm smoking. Right. Right. I'm smoking. Yep. So when you have athletes who I think now too many times have abdicated their opportunity right. to be a role model, right. we have certain government leaders who have abdicated mm -hmm. their opportunity to be a moral leader. It becomes even more important for the parents to do it. But unfortunately, I think we've got too many parents who've also abdicated their opportunity. Right. Then it becomes upon the teachers to do it. And our teachers are just being ripped apart from nine different ways of being pulled at. Right. Um, but as I told my granddaughter, that's why we pay you that ridiculous <laughs> amount of money, which obviously we don't. But I, I do think you have to keep that line of communication open. You have to keep telling our children that this isn't right. Right. And someday you'll understand this isn't right. right. Um, but I'm telling the truth. I justified a lot of my behavior based on what John Kennedy did. I swear right. to you I did. Um, I based a lot of my behavior on what Mickey Mantle did. Um, I, I absolutely based a lot of my behavior on what Arnold Palmer did. Right. Um, and, and it was hard. My dad actually was a pretty good example to me. He was a better father to me in hindsight than I was to my children, and it's an everlasting regret that I'll probably take to the grave with me. But I, I, I had a dad who didn't ever give up on me and did his very, very best to steer me the right way. I still smoked my cigarettes. I still drank a couple of beers. Uh, I still did a lot of things that I regret in hindsight. But I had a dad who was pretty much always there and trying to steer me forward. And I think as a result of that, uh, it took longer than it should have. Right. Um, but I think I finally, for the most part, found the right path. Um, and I'm trying to, to share that path. It, it always offends me when I write a commentary talking about the values of our society, and people will then respond with, oh, so you're the perfect guy. No, I, I, That's not I am, <laughs> I'm one of the most flawed guys you know. Right. But... As I've also said, I've only even heard of one perfect guy, and they nailed him to a cross and left him for dead. Yep. So if that's our standard, <laughs> then Franklin Graham, shut up. Yep. Um, whoever. Right. Because there is nobody else. Right. There is nobody. So I, as a flawed human being, uh, will continue to preach about what I do think is important to the kids because I am corny enough and, and uh, crazy <laughs> enough to believe that that is the future, but more importantly, I want them to understand now more than anything else, it wasn't always like this. And if you pick up the ballot box and you keep the passion that you need, and, and I hope you have, it won't ever be like this again either. Right. And we cannot give up that fight because it's too important. It's just simply too important. That's right. Well, Dale, thank you so much. If people want to follow you and see what you're up to, what's the best way for them to do that? Just keep watching me on Channel 8. I don't do the Facebook. I don't do I, – uh, I hate Facebook. I hate Instagram. I don't tweet. As I, as I said to that banquet in D.C., uh, my bosses don't like the fact that I don't tweet, but I've never had anything that I thought needed to be said in 140 characters, or now 280, right. uh, that, that I wanted to say. Right. And based on most of the tweets that I've seen, nobody else does either. Fair enough. Uh, but, um, no, I, I, I'm still – in all seriousness to your question, and I appreciate it. But I, I, don't, I don't do any of that stuff because I am, believe it or not, as, as public a figure as I enjoy being, quite frankly, mm -hmm. uh, I still like a little bit of privacy in my sure. life. And, um, uh, but, you know, if somebody wants to find me at a public speech, uh, uh, it's usually posted somewhere on a WFA Facebook page, yep. Yep. Uh, uh, following WFA Facebook and WFA.com. Yep. They do a good job sharing your um, unplugs. We try to, yeah, they share my unplugs and everything. And um, we try to spread the word that way a little bit. But, That's good. you know, I, I'm, I'm, believe it or not, I, as public as I accept my role <laughs> yeah, is, 
Uh, I don't understand why people put their vacation pictures on Facebook all the time. You and me both. You know? <laughs> I mean, we used to we, we used to have people showing us their vacation pictures, but my dad would pull the curtains and lock the door. You know, right. I don't want to see your pictures on vacation. Right, I, mean, right. I don't need to know right. what you had right. for dinner. Right. Hey, oh, I'm happy for you. You're at a Billy Joel concert. I don't care. Right. Shut up. You know. Yeah. And, and so I refused to do it. Yeah. I, um, uh, you know, I went to you know, I go to see Rod Stewart, or I went to see uh, Hamilton the other day. And people were taking pictures. Oh, you mind if I? Oh, please, you know. Uh, but I'm not doing it. Right. You know. I, you know. My wife was there, and she goes, and they, well, "Why don't you take a picture?" I said, no, I said, "Do not take a picture." But she did it. <laughs> She's all day, all day. We're together at a, at a play, which I've never done before. So, okay, well, she does it. But right. I like. I like, you know. I said to Pete Dawkins one day, I said, "Why don't you? Why don't you do Facebook?" Why? I said. You think Elvis would have done Facebook? <laughs> <laughs> you know? yeah, I mean, El- yeah. Elvis wouldn't even go on the Tonight Show. No, no, yeah. I mean, yeah. Elvis, I said, and he go, what, do you think you're Elvis? I go, oh, I've always thought I'm Elvis. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I, <laughs> but I, I, I do like the fact, seriously, I, Elvis wouldn't even do the Tonight Show. Right. And everybody did the Tonight Show. Yep. And Elvis did Ed Sullivan, but that's before he became Elvis, basically. Right. I, mean, right. that really, you know, yeah. I mean, even the Beatles did Ed Sullivan. Yeah, yeah. You think the Beatles would go back three years later and nope. do no no so i said I, and uh, to me it was always one of the greatest things about elvis that we because we didn't know a great deal about him right and then i do think the reality is um the more i learned about him um i realized how much better my life was when i didn't know yeah. and i've said the same thing about mickey mantle yeah uh i've said the same thing about almost all of my uh, uh my so-called heroes right um i think my life was better uh, when I didn't know. Sure. So I've tried to kind of adopt that philosophy and, uh, I Fair hope enough. people will continue to follow me, but you're going to have to work at it a little bit. Fair enough. Well, Dale, thanks so much for coming on this 100th episode. It's been fantastic. Congratulations again, sir. Thank you so much. If you know of an interesting person or story that needs to be told, please reach out to me at detoxpodcast at gmail.com. That's D-T-A-L-K-S podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at detoxpodcast or visit detoxpodcast.com. Also, be sure to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes if you like the show. It only takes a few seconds and it really helps us out. Link is in the show notes. Finally, thanks for listening. Please come back next week when we'll have another interesting conversation. And special thanks to my producers, Ben Lawant and Galan Aldaco. Without your help and support, this show wouldn't be possible. Thanks so much, guys. Detox is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W. Dot com.